I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 156, in which I have another finish. And I am recording this on Tuesday, uh, May 6th, 2014. Um, I have, oh, about an hour before I have to be on my conference call tonight. And so I thought I would just try to see whether I could knock this out. We'll see if I'm able to do it. I want to begin by saying thank you to everybody for listening and a special thank you to any new listeners who are just giving this podcast a try for the very first time. Um, Hope you enjoy it and I hope you come back. I also want to say thank you to anybody who has left an iTunes review and I have not checked lately to see whether I've gotten any new ones. It's been a little busy in these parts, but I want to say thank you for anybody who has taken the time to leave a review or a star rating in iTunes on my behalf or on the behalf of any of the other podcasters. We all really appreciate the time you take to do that. Um, I have one announcement, and then I actually do have a bit of a Sandy update. And then I've got just a couple of quick book reviews. I'm not sure if I'll call them reviews. I'm just going to let you know about a couple of new books I just got. And then we'll try to do some listener feedback. So let's go ahead and get started. My announcement is that there is yet another new podcast on the in the podcasting community. I want to say a big shout out and welcome to Laura, who is also a listener to this podcast, but she has begun her own. It is called the Sewing Mom Podcast, and you can find it at www.sewingmompodcast.com. I've been able to listen to about three quarters of an episode, and again, because it's been a little bit busy in these parts, and I only have certain circumstances under which I'm able to listen to podcasts, so I've got a little bit more catching up to do, but the part that I did listen to, I really enjoyed. So everybody go give her a listen, and when you do, also give her an iTunes review or star rating. Welcome again, Laura. Hope you stick with it. I really did enjoy what I've heard so far. Now, for my Sandy update, um, as you may recall, if you have listened to past episodes, last week I was out of town for the whole week. I left on Sunday. I don't have any idea what day of the week that or what date was, April 27th, 28th, something like that. And I got home Friday night. Um, it's, It's actually a little bit unusual for me to be gone for a whole week at a time. Typically, my travel is a couple of days, a weekend, that kind of thing. Um... It felt like a long week, but that was also partly because there was an awful lot packed into that week. Uh, Monday was my staff retreat. There are only three of us on staff, and we started having staff retreat days once a year. Uh, Last year, when we went from being a four-person staff to being a three-person staff, we decided we needed time to kind of figure out how things were going to work and make sure we were all on the same page. And it turned out to be such a great experience that my supervisor has decided, yes, indeed, it will be an annual event. So Monday was our staff retreat, and then um, Tuesday was our staff meeting. And the difference between those two things is a little bit hard to tell when you've only got three people (laughs) to begin with, because things tend to blur one into the other. But for the most part, the staff meeting was more where we were able to do kind of big picture envisioning and dreaming and kind of looking at what our goals are as an organization and how we as a staff can further those goals. 
And then the second day, the staff meeting was more task-oriented agenda items and things we needed, you know, projects we have going on. Uh, during those, between the combination of those two days, we actually made some decisions that were not at all on any agendas and not even on my radar screen for this particular set of meetings, but some things that we've talked about on and off for the last several years came up again, as they tend to do, and this time we actually decided to do something about it. So significant portions of my job are um, undergoing change, and it doesn't it doesn't actually mean externally my job won't look any different, but internally the way it works <laughs> is going to be, I think, a lot different. I just need the time to be able to sit down and process the decisions we made and spend some time with Microsoft Project, which is um, one of my major softwares that I use to figure out how I'm going to uh, do things. And I just need some kind of quiet downtime planning time, which of course right now I don't have. So I'm trying to do that in and amongst uh, the other projects that I've got going on that have immediate deadlines and things I've got to get done yesterday. Um, the The last three days of the week, Wednesday through Friday, we were in, um, it was an interdenominational, well, well, sort of, it was a, it was not just our staff. It was a meeting uh, in our denomination with people originally from Burma. I think I've talked about on this podcast before that my denomination has a extraordinarily long history of connections in Burma, um, Myanmar, and um, now many of the refugees from Burma who have relocated to this country are um, joining up or becoming part of churches in my denomination uh, to the point where, and we've planted a number of churches within those ethnic groups within our denomination as well. So um, just a, a tremendous number of connections. And so this meeting was a time for the variety of ethnic groups from Burma that are now here in the U.S. They sent um, leaders from each of their uh, ethnic group um, organizations and joined together to figure out how they could be a coalition themselves. And they kind of were using our denominational um, mission center as sort of a neutral grounds. And I don't want to go into the whole history of why that was necessary. But anyway, it was it was a really wonderful event. And actually, not too many people from our, our denomination, not too many staff people were involved because it was really supposed to be the ethnic groups themselves kind of figuring things out themselves. Um, we had a person from our denomination kind of facilitate the process, but it was primarily them figuring this stuff out themselves. Uh, but because I serve on the task force that, that works with these groups, um, I was, you know, able to be there, and uh, my my job was really kind of to, as I used, as I was joking, write on newsprint and run errands. That was pretty much what I was supposed to do, is just sort of be this background uh, person. But because I was going to be involved in it, and because I'm on staff in women's ministries, I had worked with the people facilitating that event, as well as my supervisor, to also invite women leaders, who may or may not have actually come by themselves without this special event happening. Um, but we also met with women from all of the ethnic groups while we were there, which was kind of an historic event, <laughs> really. So it was really, really cool to be a part of that. We made some wonderful connections and really looking forward to um, further discussions about ways we can partner together to address issues that women are facing in their relocation, building new lives here. It, it was just really, really good stuff, um, but I'm exhausted, <laughs> you know, doing that, doing that kind of work, um, being in a constant, attentive, listening mode, 10 hours a day, 
and then processing it through, you know, myself at night and um, kind of making notes and that kind of thing. Plus, I had a roommate, which uh, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know that as an introvert, I tend to like my downtime and my alone space when I'm in the midst of these kinds of things. My roommate is a, a very good friend of mine from back here at home. She's also on the on the same task force that I serve on, but she rarely is able to make meetings. But because she is also originally from Burma herself, and she is from an ethnic group that tends not to be represented as strongly in meetings like this, um, she made a point of, of being there. And there were actually a couple of other folks from her ethnic group there as well, uh, one of whom she already knew, and I have met him through her as well. Um, and then another one she hadn't met before, and who was just... <laughs> just this wonderful man who for some reason reminded me a lot of my father and I still can't figure out quite what it was it was something about his eyes and he had sort of this very mischievous way about him that I was just seriously digging <laughs> I just I really enjoyed getting to know him and I wish I could have spent more time with him but I think um I've heard rumor he's going to be coming up to my city for a visit in the fall so I'm hoping I get to see him then but anyway that's a whole other bunny trail that I won't go down um but also because I was rooming with her, then of course we were talking about things in our church and things in the ethnic groups. And she's the one who is putting together this trip to Burma. I'll be going on next December. So we spent a lot of time talking about that. So it was really a week of 24 seven thinking <laughs> and processing and planning and trying to listen and to be open and all that kind of stuff. So um, we got home Friday night and Saturday, I was just flat out exhausted, flat out Um slept in until like 10 o'clock in the morning, which is really unusual for me. I'm lucky if I make it to eight, I'm normally up by about 630. Uh, so I didn't do a whole lot on Saturday. I did get more done on Sunday. Um, the other note, I'll, I'll get to what I got done on Sunday. The other note is, as you know, I was um, hand dyeing some purple scarves and they were for the first batch was for that event. And we gave them out to the women during the dinner that we had just with the women. And it was really touching. They they really loved them. They were very excited that they were getting this handmade gift, although they were teasing me because the scarves themselves had a little tag on them that said made in China. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, the scarf was made, you know, in mass production, but I really did hand dye them. <laughs> but they really loved them and they wore them the rest of the week. It was great to see all these purple scarves out there. That was a lot of fun. Um, this this week, actually, starting last night was our first one. This is my week of events with conference calls every night. And then I have a conference call for another purpose the following Monday. Uh, so at this point, pretty much don't try to call me because I really don't want to be <laughs> on the phone any more than I absolutely have to. And because we're a national organization, all of those conference calls are at nine o'clock at night my time so that we can capture as many people as um, possible. Although I do have to say, tonight's conference call, we have a missionary on it from Brazil, and they're an hour later than we are. So the conference call actually starts at 10 o'clock for her. So um, more power to her. I'm I'm very impressed that, that she's going to be able to pull that out. So um, it, it's a very tiring week. To a certain degree, I'm balancing my time during the day, but I'm also trying to save up my supervisor lets me, uh, when I've got an evening conference call, generally speaking, I take that same amount of time the next morning and just start late. But I'm uh, during these week-long events where I'm on conference calls every night, she gives me the choice between doing that or kind of saving up all of my time and taking a whole day later. And I've got my quilt retreat is the weekend after Mother's Day. So I'm saving up all of my comp time um, from the conference calls this week and taking that Friday as a comp day rather than a vacation day. 
Uh, so I'm trying to just power through <laughs> this week. Today was not too bad, but it gets harder and harder with every passing day. So we're going to see. You may not be seeing me much on social networking or anything by the end of the week because I'm pretty much tired of talking to anybody and I'm tired. I'm just tired. Um, I want to say a big thank you to listener Carol because she sent me some fibers, which was very cool and they're very pretty. She also sent me a piece of, I think it's a silk cotton blend, if I remember. It's a Robert Kaufman uh, fabric that I can't wait to try to dye. I've dyed cotton. I've dyed silk. I've never dyed the blend. And I'll be really curious to see how it comes out. I think I might just do it a solid color because that would be the easiest way to kind of see how the difference in fibers uh, reacts. So I really appreciate that, Carol. I can't wait to play. I also got some more um, fibers, uh, yarns, and uh, threads for couching and stuff as part of a fiber swap for my design group. I think I talked about that in a previous episode. And also, my BFF BQF Katie was cleaning out her her quilt studio, kind of destashing a little bit, getting rid of stuff that she's had and had never used. And she sent me several packages of threads and yarn, well, yarns and fibers of various types. Um, so. I really can't wait. I, I really want to do some more couching. Um, so I'm kind of, you know, I've I've kept all of these new fibers out on the corner of my cutting table so I can kind of keep looking at them and just let their, their uh, colors and textures sort of brew in the back of my head as I'm thinking about upcoming projects. So can't wait to start playing. So thank you to Carol and BFFPQF Katie. And I believe that my fiber swap was really with my friend Lori at design group, because I don't think anybody else brought fiber swap, uh, remembered to do it the night we were doing it. Uh, we're going to do another fiber swap again, probably in the fall. So I am currently awash in fibers, which is very much fun. Um, I've been back in my dye studio again, which feels really, really good. Uh, I did try to do a little bit of dyeing on Saturday and decided it was probably ill-advised. <laughs> as tired as I was. Uh, case in point, I went to shake up a bottle of dye concentrate that I'd mixed a week ago or two weeks ago um, of yellow, and I thought I had my finger over the spout. <laughs> and uh, suffice it to say, I've now got kind of a yellow stain on the cement floor because <laughs> it sort of ended up flying all over the place. But, you know, the nice thing about dye is it's very easy to clean up, and that's why I do it in the basement. Um, but in any case, I'm doing uh, one secret project related to my guild. I might be able to talk about it after next week. Nothing terribly exciting, but um, I've kind of lost track of who listens to my uh, podcast and who does not. I also played with two types of resists. Um, one, it, well, one I've done before. I've used Elmer's glue as a resist before. This time I actually got the Elmer's blue gel glue, which is what um, I believe Jane Dunnewald is the one that I first heard talking about that. Um, the other time I did it was with a, just a white, a plain white glue stick. And when I did it with the glue stick, it worked pretty well and it washed out. This time it didn't resist at all. The blue gel didn't resist at all. And it was either the blue gel glue or the other resist I was using that didn't wash out. And when I look at the the I, I did two different resists on one piece of fabric. One was the Elmer's Blue Gel Glue. The other one was a Jacquard brand water-based resist. That's all it's called, water-based resist. It didn't have another name. And I had bought the Jacquard 
at an art supply store here in the city that has very minimal dye supplies, but it does have a few. And I'm always willing to play with new resists. I always think it's kind of fun. And so I had seen this bottle and I didn't know much about it. And the, the my internet connection on my phone was insanely slow in the store, so I couldn't Google it quickly. And so I took it up to the counter and asked the people working there if they knew anything about this resist and whether I could use it with low water immersion dyeing, which is the type I do, and nobody there knew. So I decided, well, if it doesn't work for that, it'll work for paints or whatever else, all of which I own. So I, you know, I figured I might as well get it. So I tested both resists, both the, the glue and the um, Jacquard water-based resist. And I was sort of expecting that the water-based resist would, you know, dissolve in water. <laughs> I really wasn't expecting it to resist. And I was right. It did not resist at all. You can see no signs whatsoever that I used it. Um, nor can you see any signs that I used the blue gel, which did surprise me more because, like I said, I've, I've used Elmer's Blue before. They are both washable. And I read the directions on both, and they both said they were washable. And especially the way I would do a rinse out on dye, I'm actually washing it more than your average, you know, fabric if you got glue on your clothes. I'm washing it far more thoroughly than what you would normally do. And one of the two things did not actually wash out. By the time I got it out of the dryer is the first I noticed. It was very crusty, but you could still tell it was on there. Um, unfortunately, when I'm washing out hand eyes, I'm wearing rubber gloves. So <laughs> if I can't see it and I can't feel it, I, and if I'm not expecting there to be a problem, I'm not necessarily going to notice it until it's already th- all the way through, which is what happened with this. I think based on which parts of the fabric it was on that did not wash out, I think it was the Elmer's Blue Gel Glue, which is supposed to be washable. So I was really surprised by that. The only thing I can think of is that some particular mix of the chemicals in the process or something threw it off, but I really don't understand. So I'm not sitting here saying, boy, don't use thus and so because it doesn't wash out. I'm going to test it again, and I'm going to test it on two separate fabrics this time so I know for sure which one I'm working with, and I'm going to label it and everything. Um, But I'm not going to take the time to stencil (laughs) the way I did last time. I was really kind of hoping it would actually work. Um, no, no damage to the fabric because I just over dyed it. And, you know, now I've got an over dyed piece of fabric. That's just a different color. It's not a big deal at all. And so I decided this time around, I'll probably try some of my discharges on it and see what color it discharges to. Um, discharge is what you put on dyed fabric to remove some of the diets. Um, bleach is essentially a discharge, but most discharges are not bleach. (laughs) You can use bleach, obviously, as a discharge, but that's kind of a, um, you know, DEFCON 5 (laughs) type of of discharge. A lot of other discharges are a little more subtle, and and, you kind of get different effects, and it doesn't necessarily lift it to white or whatever your base fabric was. It actually lifts it to some other variation of the color that you dyed it with. So it's always kind of fun to see what you end up with. So that'll probably be what I do with that next. Um, what else did I do? I did test out trying to do an ombre fabric. That's, that's where a single piece of fabric gradates. Um, you can do it by color or you can do it by value, which is light to dark. And that's what I was doing was a value gradation. And um, it was a technique I'd read about in a magazine or online or something where you put it all in the dye bath and then you lift it a little bit out at a time. You know, you leave five minutes and then you lift a little more out in five minutes and you lift a little more out. And um, essentially I, it did not 
ombre at all. I have a solid piece of fabric with a little bit of white on one end where I had the tongs attached to lift it out. Um, so that technique did not work really well for me. I think it could be that the blog I was reading it off, I think was doing, you know, several yards of fabric kind of in a bucket and it had this whole pulley system and I was just doing a fat quarter. So it could be a difference in volume. Um, but I've also read other techniques for doing ombres that I'm going to try later partly because it involves spreading the dye on with your hands, which feels like finger painting and all sorts of fun. Um, and of course, I'm still dyeing purple scarves because I have another event coming up with a whole lot more registrants <laughs> that I need to get them done for. Um, but I am, I'm tweaking up my technique a little bit. I'm, I'm changing up uh, kind of how I go about the dye process. And this time I'm using Retain for the first time. I've never bothered using Retain because if you do your washout well enough, you don't have much of a problem with bleeding and I've never had problems with bleeding. But since I'm doing these in bulk volume and um, because they're going out as gifts to people, I just don't want to run any risks. So I'm doing everything I can to make sure these things are color fast and uh, they, they do seem to be. Um, so, I'm, you know, again, I'm, when you do something over and over and over and over and over again, you, you have the chance to really fine tune your process. So probably... The last set of 10, I'm doing them in kind of groups of 10, mostly because that's the containers I have that work best. I have 10 of them. Um, and I don't want to do them all in one big bucket because I want to be able to get more of that modeled effect, which is hard to do when you just dump everything in a bucket. It's easier to do if you're scrunching it up into a smaller container. So in any case, I'm doing them in batches of 10. And that means by the end of this, that last 10, boy, those are going to be great. Because <laughs> by then I'll have it down and I'll know exactly what I'm doing. The earlier ones, you know, a little more hit and miss. Um, one kind of exciting thing that I did right before I went out of town, and I don't remember what the dates are, I finally signed up for an actual in-person spinning class. We have a Weaver's Guild on the other side of town that has an actual storefront um, where you, they sell supplies and such, but they do a lot of classes. Most of the classes are in weaving. Some are in dyeing different kinds of uh, fibers, and I've tried to sign up for those once or twice, but they keep getting canceled because of lack of interest, I guess. So I'm just keeping my fingers crossed on the spinning class. The It's a two-parter. It's two Sunday afternoons, I believe, and I think coming up in May. I really need to double-check those dates before I accidentally miss them. But the first class, it seemed to be from the description, the first class is all about the drop spindle, and then the second class, you're on a treadle spindle, which I thought would be fun for me to do just to get the feel for it. I'm just curious about using a treadle spindle. I do not intend to go out and buy one. Of course, you know, famous last words, but right now I've got some other things I want to be spending money on. <laughs> so I just really want to try to get good at the drop spindle. I have been, I did the craftsy class. I've talked about that before. I have also been tr um, watching, oh, it's called Respect the Spindle. And I'm trying to remember her name. I believe it's Abby Frankamont. Um, I'm probably not pronouncing that well. I really enjoy the video. It's available through Interweave Press. I've got it on my computer. I think you can also buy it as a standard DVD. And I also did get the book. And the book is not just the video, you know, transcript. And the video is not just the book live. The, the two of them really do work well together. Um, but I think what I need to do now is have somebody watch what I'm doing and give me tips because I, you know, kind of doing okay with it. I'm, I'm not 
further behind than what I would think I would be right now, given the very little amount of time I've actually spent practicing it. But there's still just some things I feel like I'm not quite getting the knack of. And I'm hoping if somebody actually watches me do it, they could say, oh, you need to just turn your hand this way or you need to really kind of watch how you're doing this particular thing. I think that'll be really helpful. So I'm looking forward to doing that. And no, just because I'm learning to spin does not mean I'm going to start knitting people. All right. And then on the quilting front, I finally got Scrappitude and my disappearing uh, pinwheel back from the long armor. I actually picked those up the weekend before I went out of town. I had a thought that I would be able to get the bindings put on the front before I left town and then bring one of them with me and do the hand stitching while I was away in the hotel. Of course, none of that happened. But last weekend, like I said, Saturday um, when I got home, I was pretty darn beat, but I was able to at least get I believe I got the binding on completely put together and sewn onto the back of the disappearing pinwheel because I was doing it entirely by machine. And when you do it by machine, you sew it on the back and then flip it to the front. And I did the front part of it on Sunday. So I got that all done. And it was my best example of putting on a binding by machine that I have done yet. I really think I'm getting this down. Um, And I just have to kind of go in and hand tack the mitered folds down a little bit. Um, just to make it look clean and neat. Um, But I'm really, really pleased with the way it turned out. I was pretty much dead on my seam all the way along. And and what that means is the first time I did a binding by machine, I didn't realize I was supposed to be watching this. When you sew it on the back, you use a quarter inch seam. And then when you flip it over to the front, you line up the edge of the front of the binding right along where that seam is from where you sewed it on the back. And that's where you do your um, your decorative stitch or whatever stitch you're using to then sew that machine binding down so that from the back, you still only look like you've got one seam. The very first one I ever did, I, I didn't think that through and I just, you know, hauled off and sewed the thing to the front and I ended up with two seam lines on the back. Um, and that was not to my preference. I have seen some in uh, on blogs and magazines and stuff where that's kind of what they did. And that's kind of not what I want to do. I really make sure I try to line those seams up. So um, like I said, I've gotten much better at it. I do use the blanket stitch or um, AKA buttonhole stitch on my machine to sew it down. That's kind of the stitch I like the the way it looks best. And I am able to do it very well because I'm used to doing it now. There are a lot of um, decorative, you know, you can use any decorative stitch you want to sew it down from the front. And so it's just a matter of finding what works well for you and what you like the look of on your quilt. Uh, But I will say my disappearing pinwheel is, it's a very generous throw size. I think it's something like, oh, it's in the 50s by in the 60s, (laughs) somewhere in there. And I had that binding done all in probably between the two days if I timed it out. Binding was probably done in about an hour and a half, maybe two and that's not insignificant to me. So I'm probably also going to be doing the scrapitude binding all by machine because that quilt is a very, very generous, generous, generous queen size quilt. So um, I want to get it done because it actually really fits well on our, on my bedroom bed, on the master bedroom. So I really kind of want to get it done and on the bed before it gets too hot to have a quilt on the bed. So I'm hoping to work on that this week because I have Guild next Tuesday and want to be able to do have it completely done for show and tell. That would be fun. Um, I have posted pictures of my finished uh, disappearing pinwheel in Flickr 
in both the Disappearing Pinwheel group and in the Quilting for the Rest of Us group. I did also do a blog post on it, so you can see pictures of it there. And like I said, I'm hoping to get Scrapitude done sometime within the next week. So I'm hoping that final, final finish reveal will be done soon. Okay, a couple of quick notes on some quilt books. If you recall, I did a review of an Angela Walters um, book in the studio with Angela Walters. And during that review, I mentioned that I just ordered two more quilting books, one of which was hers, and I have since received them and I've looked through them. And I was right. I really, really like the other Angela books, Angela Walters book that I got. It's called Free Motion Quilting. I believe it was her first one or the one that came out before in the studio. Um, the tagline is choose and use quilting designs for modern quilts. But, you know, get away from the whole traditional versus modern. The quilting designs work. Certainly there are some that tend to be seen more on modern quilts. But you know what? If it works on your quilt, I don't care what, what kind of genre your quilt is. Um, these are just quilting designs. So if you're a traditional quilter, this would still be of value to you. Um, don't don't look at it and say, well, I'm not a modern quilter, so I don't need to, you know, I don't want to learn those. No, uh, they they work. They just work. And this book, as opposed to in the, in the studio, this book does do more of exactly what I had thought the in the studio was going to do. She shows you a design and then step by step with arrows pointing out direction, she tells you exactly how to quilt that design. So I spent a little bit of time um, after the first weekend I got this book, just sitting down with a sketchbook and kind of drawing out the designs. I think, though, what I have found, I know sketching is helpful and I know everybody says to sketch, but you're doing it backwards. You're, you know, when you're sketching, you're moving your hand over the paper. When you're machine quilting on a domestic machine, you're moving the paper under the pen. <laughs> so I really just need to sit down with fabric sandwiches and, and try to practice these um, to get my my body memory, my muscle memory working in the reverse of what it does when I sketch. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop sketching. I do keep sketching, partly because it does help me to um, visualize spatially how things work and how to travel from one part of the design to the other when I back my way into a corner, that kind of thing. So I'm not saying sketching is not valuable. It is valuable. But I really need to sit down on a machine and just start working with some of these. But I really liked that book. It's very clearly put together. Um, it has a lot of the typical designs you're used to seeing, but then it has a lot that are very different. It has a lot of interesting ways to combine designs and just the examples, um, the photos of her quilts that you see, and even just the backgrounds to some of the pages. Some of the, it's, you know, superimposed over a quilted quilt and so you just get all these great ideas and inspiration so I do highly recommend that book and I know she's also got another new book coming out in the fall even addition in addition to the one that I've already got pre-ordered which was a workbook type book she's got another one coming out soon um, that a listener was telling me about that she's already pre-ordered and I will maybe pre-ordered I can't decide um you know, I can keep buying all the machine quilting books in the world, but until I sit down and machine quilt, you know, it's not like I'm learning it by osmosis, people. <laughs> so I need to, I really need to practice with the books I've got before I commit to buying any more. Uh, speaking of books I've got, the other book that I did purchase is called Doodle Quilting, Over 120 Continuous Line Machine Quilting Designs. And this one's by Cheryl Mikowski. And uh, like Free Motion Quilting with Angela Walters, this one also has the design and it has arrows to kind of show you, um, you know, what direction to aim in. 
I don't think it's quite as clear as the Angela Walters one, but it's got a lot of great designs. Again, some of them, you know, the first probably 20 or so are ones I'm used to seeing. But then as you get towards the back, she's got more where she combines shapes into more complex shapes. She's got a lot of different kinds of flowers, um, a lot of variations on feathers, of course, and feathers and swirls and turning, um, well, you call it clamshell teardrop paisley it goes by a number of names but you turn that into the center of a flower so in that regard that one's a, that book is also very good because it shows you how to take your basic shapes and get more and more complex which free motion quilting also does so i do recommend both of these books are excellent for inspiration um, if you're a beginning free motion quilting i would recommend angela walter's books uh, free motion quilting over the doodle quilting it's not that a beginner wouldn't be able to do the doodle quilting, but it doesn't. She doesn't spend any time really in how to machine quilt. It's she assumes you already know, <laughs> and just move on. Here's the designs. Uh, so it's more for inspiration if you've already been doing it a little bit and want more ideas for designs. So those are my two quick book reviews. Let me now move on to listener feedback. Hang on, gotta go dig it out. Okay, first I want to say thank you to Kitty who emailed me and um, <laughs> and by the time I uh, was actually going to comment on this and then she did send me the correction, she wanted to let me know that she had gone to one of the quilt shops I had mentioned in my podcast and then she realized it wasn't me that mentioned that particular podcast, it was Tanisha. That was the problem with Tanisha of Crafty Garden Mom Podcast and I both went to Lancaster within, oh, I think just a couple of weeks of each other. I was there for the quilt show and she went for a quilt retreat. And so both of us were talking about quilt shops in the Lancaster area within very close, um, you know, chronologically to each other. So I think people probably did kind of scratch their head about, now, which podcast did I hear that one in? So if you're heading for the Lancaster area in Pennsylvania and you want to know about quilt shops, you have to listen to both Tanisha's um, Crafty Garden Mom podcast and my podcast so you can hear about different ones because I don't think we visited any of the same podcasts. So thank you, Kitty, for your email. And um, yes, you were right. It was actually Tanisha's that you heard about that particular uh, thing, but that's fine because I'm just glad to know you're listening to all of us. That was fun. Thank you to Shelly Beth who commented on my, um, oh, which blog post was that? I believe it was my, oh, Disappearing Pinwheel. And she thought it looked like spring, those colors. And they certainly do. They're, I I do love the colors. Um, and somebody, and I might get to this comment later, and I apologize them I'm jumping ahead of myself, but um, someone did comment on how much I've learned about putting colors together <laughs> from clear. I think the comment was something about clearly you've been paying attention to the design um, podcast you've been doing with Jay. And yes, I have been paying attention to the design podcast I've been doing with Jay. And between that and my design study group, there are things I feel I've gotten much better at, but I can take no credit whatsoever <laughs> for the colors on the disappearing pinwheel because it was a collection. <laughs> it was it was a layer cake collection of batiks. I think I maybe had to throw one or two in um, on my own to, to kind of round it out. I did, however, choose the border fabric. I was good at that. <laughs> Oh, normally, I, I actually normally don't do collections anymore. You know, when I put together a quilt, I'm working from my stash. And I'm, whenever, if I do happen to buy more than one fabric from a line at a time, which sometimes I do, I usually buy like two or three from a line, but then fill in the rest. Um, I break them up in my stash 
for the most part, unless, well, there's a few collections I've kind of kept together, but for the most part, I break them up in my stash to avoid, you know, kind of using everything from one collection. I really like putting a bunch of different fabrics together, but um, when it comes to charm packs and jelly rolls and layer cake packs and that kind of thing, you know, I do tend to work with a collection because it's just easier. So I can't take a whole lot of credit for the color, the color scheme in the um, disappearing pinwheel. It was primarily a collection. I guess I can take credit for the fact that I did have to throw in a few of my own, and I, I think I might have thrown in one of the oranges because it felt like it needed something a little more poppy in there. But anyway, um, so that was all a lot about one po post that didn't actually say any of those things. Um, I did miss saying, I, I missed one email. In my last episode, when I was doing listener feedback, I had not scrolled down all the way through where I keep all of my comments. And I apologize, Steffi, that I missed um, commenting on the last email you had sent me with a picture. Uh, she had sent me pictures of some of the spinning she has been doing with hand-dyed roving. And I had asked her if she had hand dyed the roving herself and she had gotten back to me and said no she had not dyed it herself and then she says it's a 50 50 merino tensile blend which i'm only you know i'm just becoming versed in fibers but that one i think seems like it's really soft i think that's what i remember feeling um and she says uh she i said something about you know still trying to learn to spin and she says i think i could make a video of myself spinning but i guess you're better off with abby francomont respect the spindle uh which is what i've been listening or watching so um and she's talking about doing fractal spun yarn which i'm really curious about that so i am truly expecting a lot more pictures and folks you should see this she sent me pictures of two spindles because she's working on plying the yarn from the spindles together so she has a two ply it is the most beautiful color it's analogous it's like light blue to kind of a teal green to kind of a purple to a darker purple oh my it's gorgeous and this is exactly why i want to start hand dyeing fibers again i don't want to do anything with the yarn which i've spun it but i can't wait to spin it so thank you for the photo i appreciate it Noni commented on episode 155 in which we try new things where and I talked about threads in that one and she says she uses Presencia 60 weight three ply for piecing. She says it increases accuracy very strong quarter inch seam greatly improved and I would think 60 weight because 60 weight is even thinner than my beloved 50 weight Orofil but the three ply would make it stronger so I have to say I might be willing to try some Presencia for as much as I love Orofil, but I'm always open to try new threads as well. So thank you for that, Noni. She also says she has all of Angela's Walters books and crafty classes. Um, she says, I found them the inspiration to really kick up my free motion quilting. I already put her new book on order that comes out this September. Oh, this is where I heard about this. Ah, thank you, Noni. Um, the book that comes out this September is Shape by Shape Free Motion Quilting with Angela Walters, 70 plus designs for blocks, backgrounds, and borders. And Noni says the cover looks really good. So yeah, I might end up buying that book as well. Although maybe I'll just wait to see what Noni thinks of it. So Noni will be expecting a review. Uh, Maureen corrected my pronunciation of who I referred to as Gloria Lauman. It's um, Luffman. 
It's spelled L-O-U-G-H-M-A-N, and Maureen tells me that it's Gloria Luffman. So I apologize. That's probably going to be one of those names like K-Facet. It took me years to stop saying Kafe, and I really had to stop and think. Every time I saw his name written and I was about to say it, I had to stop and think, it's Kafe, it's Kafe, it's Kafe. So now I'm probably going to have to do the same with Gloria's name and stop myself and say, it's Luffman, it's Luffman, it's Luffman. So thank you, Maureen, for that correction. I always prefer to pronounce people's names correctly. Um, Jay also commented on episode 155, in which we try new things. And she um, was referring to where I had talked about using a Susan Brubaker nap uh, tutorial on doing the facing. And Jay says, you might not know that I have a lot of tutorials on my blog take a look at this one for facing. And she did leave a um, link to it there. I've not checked it out yet because I haven't been home, uh, but I will make sure I check that one out as well, Jay. And Jay does have a lot of tutorials on her blog. I've checked them out before. So those of you who are looking for toots, go to artquiltmaker.com and check on her blog. And Jay continues to say, you might also consider Saral, Saral, S-A-R-A-L, transfer paper to transfer your marker markings this worked very well for me on my, for my whole cloth quilt and then she gave a link to where she talked about that on her blog as well from august 2012 so i'm going to check that one out that's one i've not heard about at all i don't recognize the brand name so i will definitely check that out thank you jay christy thank you for your comment on episode 155 um and she says i think you'll be pleased with the book you ordered which is the free motion quilting with angela walters she says, um, it'll be more along the lines of what you were expecting within the studio, though I enjoy in the studio for thinking about my own quilting plans and think I want to consider. She is coming out with a new book called Shape by Shape Quilting, which is also supposed to have a lot of designs and combinations to try. It's supposed to be coming out on September 1st. So you've heard it here, folks, several times in a row now. Angela Walters has a new quilting book coming out in September that is already generating a lot of buzz. Um, and I think that's what I'm really enjoying about her books as I'm now getting more exposed to the multiples of them is that she really does work hard to make sure each one offers very different kinds of things, even though they're all about the same topic. Um, I've gotten to the point where I've you know been doing this long enough and I've been reading enough magazines and I've been reading enough books that I start getting a little disappointed when one person kind of just keeps rehashing the same things three books in a row. <laughs> And that's what I'm really appreciating that Angela Walters has really looked at where the gaps are and where she can fill the gaps. So I do like that. Uh, so thank you, Christy. And yeah, I'll probably end up buying that book too. Um, thank you to Ms. Lottie, a new podcaster, uh, for her comment on episode 154 in which I'm luminous and thready. And um, she also, she talks about, maybe I already read this. I might've already read that one. Um, she talks about Gloria Luffman. Is, um, and she says that's who she thinks about when she talks about luminosity. And um, she says, I've been thinking for a while that a sense of light and luminosity is what's missing in my quilt, so I enjoyed looking at your Pinterest search. And she says, I'm an Aurafil girl too, but it's fun to play. Um, and so thank you again, Lottie. And I've still been listening to your podcast. I still enjoy it. I love feeling like I'm in New Zealand for a little bit while I'm listening. It's a lot of fun. I do periodically have to do a little bit of mental translation because, you know, we all speak English, but it's the colloquialisms that throw you off. <laughs> Every now and then she'll say something and I'll be like, what? <laughs> what was that? And I have to translate. 
And that always makes me wonder how many times do I do that? Do I use words that you have to kind of translate? Uh, so anyway, thank you for that. And I did check out the link um, in Lottie's comment on episode 154. She does leave a link to Gloria Luffman's uh, website. I'm doing pretty well pronouncing her name correctly. Uh, so you might want to check that out. Um, thank you again to Jay uh, for commenting on episode 154. And she talks about times of day uh, for, you know, when she's doing best, at, when she does things best. And she's a morning person. Um, I've been trying to work a lot in the last year on what my natural body rhythms are and trying to match my tasks to those body rhythms. And that's something you really only have the luxury of doing once your kids are out of the house. Fully admit it. I never could do that kind of thing when my kids were young because they ran my schedule. Now that they are no longer in charge of my schedule, I can really kind of work at, all right, am I better at doing this kind of thing earlier in the morning or later in the day? That sort of thing. And so I've been kind of working on that. Um, Jay also says, I have also found the magic words. I am sure this will be okay. If I say those words to myself, there's a 95% chance that whatever it is will not be okay. And I will be ripping, grinding my teeth and calling myself bad names. When I say that to myself, it is time to switch projects, take a break or something. Um, and that's in reference to the fact that I said I have to stop working with sharp pointy things at nine o'clock because I just get stupid. Jay also left a comment. She was going back in time just a little bit. And she left a comment on episode 139 in which I interview author Valerie Goodwin. Um, and she she had apparently just somehow missed that podcast in the shuffle. Um, and so she's listening to it now. But she was wondering how my art quilt map is going. And Jay seemed to be under the impression I was actually still working on my art quilt map and not just talking about it. And I have to say, I've done squat on it since um, December, really. It is still sitting visibly on the corner of my cutting table. I still look at it. I still think about it. I still try to wait for that moment of inspiration to hit. Um, it's not coming yet. And so I'm kind of thinking it might be time for me to sort of repurpose it, to look at it and do something drastic to change it up and then go back to the concept of maps again. I think it might be something where what I was trying to do is not going to really work in the form that I was trying to do it. And so I think I just need to rethink it. But that's something I just, I need to process internally. It's not something I think I can put up on the blog and ask for suggestions. Um, it's 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 something a little more fundamental than that, I think. So um, while I agree, Jay talked in her comment about how important it is to talk about process and show pictures of process. And I do agree with that. Um, Although, and I've talked about this before, I do have problems sometimes showing pictures of process because my process does generally need to be kind of internal. Uh, but I do agree about talking about process. And I love reading blog posts where people either post something as it's in process or, you know, talk about it at the end. This was kind of, you know, how this progressed. I really do enjoy those. With the art quilt map, though, I don't want to say necessarily it's stuck. It's just in a prolonged brewing period. <laughs> I guess. Let's put it that way. It's still brewing. Uh, so that's where my art quilt map is. Um, I do follow Valerie Goodwin on Pinterest and man, she pins some really fascinating stuff. So um, if you're on Pinterest, look up Valerie Goodwin and, and follow her because she does pin some really cool inspirational stuff. I find myself constantly repinning her stuff to my inspiration boards. 
Um, thank you to Jackie on my um, April Craftsy class update. <laughs> and she says, in spite of your busy schedule, you managed to do a lot more with your Craftsy classes than I was. And I even have it as a weekly reminder. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still making progress, but that is partly because I'm doing those blog posts. It sort of, it's one of those accountability things when I know, okay, at the end of this month, I'm going to have to post something about a Craftsy class. I want to at least get one done. You know, <laughs> it really does kind of keep me moving on them. Um, so, you know, I would say if you've got some, if you've got some stuff you want to get done, start blogging about it because it really keeps you honest. Uh, thank you to AJ and Linda and Rose and Jennifer and Maureen on your comments on my disappearing pinwheel finish. Um, everybody loves the colors. Again, can't take any credit for the colors other than the fact that I had the very good taste to choose that layer cake in the first place. Thank you to Jackie and Katie and Jess and Kristen on my blog post with um, A Walk in the Woods, my finish with my hand dye and machine quilting. And I had a lot more people comment on that on Twitter. That's the problem with Twitter is people comment a lot on Twitter and I do this to other people too. I comment on their blogs via Twitter. I don't really have a good way to keep track of Twitter comments for this podcast. So thank you to everybody who commented on it on Twitter, as well as those of you who commented on the blog. Um, I really do love the way that turned out. Um, I probably should have been a little less subtle with the quilting because when you get more than about five feet away from it, you almost can't see the quilting at all unless you stand way off to the side and try to catch the shadow. <laughs> so that's the only thing. I'm not saying it was a mistake and I'm not really disappointed. I still like the way it looks, but when it's hanging on my family room wall and I'm sitting on the couch watching TV and I look at it, I can see the hand dye, can't see anything else, um, which was part of my purpose. I wanted the hand dye to stay prominent, but I think, you know, that's partly also getting used to using different variegated threads and stuff. What looks like it's really standing out when your nose is six inches away from it under your machine does not stand out when you're 10 feet away. It just truly blends in. So that's the only thing I think I might push myself a little bit more as I get more confident in my machine quilting skills. I'll push myself a little bit more in terms of the colors of threads I'm choosing. And then I just have to... Um, give a shout out to Craftsy Support. There was a, a discrepancy during their last, I think it was their last sale or it might've been the sale before that. One of the sales they ran a couple of weeks ago, there was one class that a bunch of us on Twitter started talking about and it was showing up as being on sale for some of us and it wasn't showing up as being on sale for others. And it was this long, it was like a two day long conversation back and forth as people were trying to, you know, well, wait a minute, it's not showing up for sale for me. And then I sent somebody a link and I think Noni sent somebody a link and it still wasn't showing up. So I finally contacted Craftsy Support and I said, you need to know there's a discrepancy. And after going back and forth for, you know, because they were like, oh, well, we'll put a thing in your, you know, if you want to choose a class, we can. And I was like, no, 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 I don't want to buy a class. I'm just like, <laughs> there's a discrepancy. They really are very helpful people over there. What they said, and I thought this might be helpful for all of you to hear, is they said, there are times when the app prices, so if you're on the Craftsy app on your tablet or smartphone, there are times when the app prices can vary from what is shown on our website because payment on the Craftsy app goes through Apple directly. If you or any of your crafting friends see a better price within 30 days of purchase, just let us know and we are so happy to honor it. And they say, always keep in touch with us and we'll be sure to take care of you so that you have a top-notch experience at Craftsy. So be aware of that. When you are using the app on your 
iPad or tablet or iPhone or wherever you're using it. Samsung, you know, I don't Kindle Fire. I don't know where <laughs> where those apps are available. Um, and use and something's supposed to be on sale and it's not showing up as sale. Go to the website and see if it's on sale there. If it's not, notify Craftsy and say, hey, I'd like to buy this um, thing. It's supposed to be on sale, but I'm not finding the sale price. And chances are they will help you out. Um, on mine, during that weekend, I was primarily working on my app. And it was like if I went at it through one set of links from the app, I got the sale price. If I went at it through this other set of links on the app, I did not get the sale price. So it must have been depending on what set of links I was following and whether that threw me into the Apple payment or through the Craftsy payment. So, you know, that's kind of a weakness in the app. There's probably nothing Craftsy can do about it because that's an Apple thing. Um, but it does mean just be aware that that's an issue. And, you know, like I said, if if something's supposed to be on sale, go directly to the website and see if you're seeing the sale price. So that is it for listener feedback. And I did actually get my podcast recorded before I have to be on my conference call. I might even get it processed and uploaded. Wouldn't that be an exciting thing? So I think that's all I've got for this episode. Um, This weekend is Mother's Day. I've been in a habit of recording on Sunday afternoons. This weekend is Mother's Day, though. And although we don't yet know what we're doing for Mother's Day, I can pretty much guess that recording a podcast episode will not be part of the festivities. (laughs) So it'll probably be sometime later next week. I might even end up giving the week a pass and not recording. Oh, but then I've got my quilt retreat. I don't know when the next episode will come out. I'll do my best. (laughs) I'll try to get something out soon. Um, If you don't hear from me podcasting wise, you know, that means I'm either actually sewing or I'm on a conference call. You know, that's pretty much my life these days. So that is it for this episode. I really look forward to hearing from you. And you can get a hold of me at sandyquilts at at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog by email or any sort of blog reader. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, Flickr, all of those places. I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us uh, page on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. And please do. I love looking at your pictures, even if I don't always comment on them. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you can find links for all of those things on the show notes to this episode. I'm sorry, on the... (laughs) on my website, just call it my website at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. Until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.